You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, if you thought day one of free agency was wild, Day number two took a turn directly into insanity. John Robinson is playing zero games this offseason, and we thought that the cuts were done. The Titans had cut up the roster as much as they were going to do, and it was time to start adding pieces with a Kendall Lamb, with a Danico Autry, with a Bud Dupree. But no, ladies and gentlemen, when we heard earlier in the offseason that it was going to be a bloodbath this free agency period, well, finally, we understand the gravity of that statement. The Titans cut cornerback Adoree Jackson and starting right tackle Dennis Kelly on Tuesday to create more cap space. I'm breaking down both of those cuts, why they happened, and quite frankly, why they were so surprising, even though... I had a little bit of an inkling that we might see this in anybody within the Titan sphere that was trying to prep you for this. Well, it was me, folks. It was me. So I'm going to dive into those cuts. And then we did get another free agent signing for the Tennessee Titans in the way of help in the secondary. So I'll break down that signing as well. Also, we got some more news on the Titans' tight end position. I'll break down that news for you guys. So, so much to talk about, so much to go over. Excited to dive into it all, but I also have a special treat for you guys today at the end of the episode. We are going to speak with one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite analysts, In the NFL media sphere, we're going to talk to somebody who has deep knowledge of new Tennessee Titans edge rusher Bud Dupree and get their thoughts in. I think you guys are going to be really, really excited about what this person has to say. So a little bit of an industry tease for you guys there. Make sure you make it to the end of today's episode. But we are recapping everything and free agency day number two today on the Locked on Titans podcast. Let's get it! Day number two of free agency was probably even more crazy than day number one. I mean, we expected the Titans to make free agent signings. I did not expect to see them cut Dory Jackson and Dennis Kelly, but before we dive into those big cuts, do want to remind you guys, I'm going to be pumping out Monday through Friday Tennessee Titans content here on the Locked on Titans podcast, not just during the season, but all year long. There's not another Tennessee Titans content creator who can say that. So, make sure that you never miss an episode Monday through Friday by subscribing to the Locked On Titans podcast, whether that be on Apple Podcast, following on Spotify, Google Podcast, Radio.com app, Stitcher, it doesn't matter, wherever you want to listen to podcasts, you can find the Locked On Titans podcast. Follow me on Twitter as well, at Tic Tac Titans, and follow the new Facebook page, at Locked On Titans Pod. And speaking of Twitter... I I took a little bit of a victory lap today, guys, and a lot of you guys jumped in my mentions to to give me some praise, and I appreciate it, because 
I tried to warn everybody what Jonu Smith's price point was going to be. I told you guys a year ago that once Corey Davis's fifth-year option was declined, he would not be on the Tennessee Titans after the season. And I also got the conversation rolling on cutting a Dory Jackson. I proposed a poll on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Who would you rather cut knowing that you saved $10 million either way, a Dory Jackson or Malcolm Butler? And... I got a lot of responses that I appreciate, but some people said I was absolutely insane. They're not cutting a Dory Jackson. Uh, I'm hot taking it. I'm just trying to create engagement, create narratives. All these stupid things that people say to people who cover teams like they're real. I, I, guys, I don't create narratives. What What is that? I'm just talking about the team with you guys, going through all of the possibilities. And one of the big possibilities I saw was cutting a Dory Jackson. One, you can't count on him. In a t- the Titans are in the title window right now. Can you count on a Dory Jackson and pay a Dory Jackson $10 million based on the injury history, based on the up and down play when he's out there? In my opinion, you couldn't. Now, I didn't think that the Titans would cut a Dory Jackson, but I felt like with all of that on the table, it was at least worth the discussion. And when you look at Malcolm Butler versus Dory Jackson, if you're going to save $10 million by getting rid of one of them, why would you get rid of the guy who was the best defensive back the Titans had last year? Now, ultimately... As we saw on Tuesday, the Titans decided to cut both of them. They cut Malcolm Butler last week and cut a Dory Jackson today. So obviously the Titans didn't want to play, pay either of those guys $14 million for Malcolm, $10 million for a Dory. And I agree with the decision. I saw a lot of panic, but I agree with this decision. And we're going to talk later about how the Titans were able to follow up and add a cornerback. But the other cut we saw to me was more surprising than a Dory Jackson. And that was starting right tackle Dennis Kelly. Now, Dennis Kelly was set to make about $8.5 million this year. And quite frankly, a guy like Dennis Kelly isn't worth eight and a half million dollars, especially in this economy, in this depressed cap situation. So surprise, but I get it. Now, why did the Titans do this? Well, it freed up about $14 million of cap space. So Dennis Kelly is going to be about $4 million of dead money, but he's going to give them about $4 million of cap space. Adoree Jackson is no dead money whatsoever and just $10 million in savings. So it makes a lot of sense. Now, I do want to say this. The Titans would only do this, and the timing of it. If they were going to cut these guys, why wouldn't they cut them last week so that they knew how much cap space they would have completely going into free free agency? Well, to me, this is a move you only make if you know you need to use that money. If the Titans didn't have anything going, they didn't have any plans or anything like that, then it makes no sense to get rid of two starters to save $14 million. But if you know that you have a move lined up where you're going to need that cap space to execute the move? Well, then it makes a little bit more sense. So we don't know what the big-time move coming after this will be. I saw another auxiliary move, and we have a lot of questions, but I just want to remind everybody to be patient here. We're in day two of free agency and trying to forecast the roster, the starting lineups, things like that. It's a fool's errand. We got to wait until far after the draft to look back at the team and and then you can panic if you don't like what the roster is after the draft. But right now, we're still in the process of cooking the food. If you were in the process of making a a scratch-made Alfredo sauce and all you have is your liquids in the pan with your sautéed onions and garlic and you haven't added in your cheeses, well, how's the sauce going to taste? It's going to be butt. 
So, of course, right now, the Titans are in the process of cooking the meal and getting the new roster ready to go. You can't stop them in the middle of cooking and taste the food and say whether it's good or bad. So, everyone just have some patience. I know this caught everybody off guard. It caught me off guard slightly. But I think these are the right moves for the Titans to make. You have to make sure you're not overpaying for guys, especially in this market. This brings us back to the Kendall Lamb signing from yesterday. My initial question on Twitter was, is this a Dennis Kelly replacement or a swing tackle? And everyone was in my mentions, oh, it's just swing tackle, backup tackle. But hey, looks like Kendall Lamb could be a starter for the Titans. Then... Later on in the day, the Titans signed Janoris Jenkins, the veteran cornerback. Now, we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. Questions that I have about the signing and what it means for the Titans. Also talk about another signing that the Titans made to answer questions at the tight end position on Tuesday. And then talk about a signing and, and movement that should come on Wednesday that you guys should be looking out for. So we're going to dive into that next. Before we do, though, want to remind you guys about Bill Barr madness. So right now, our friends over at Built Bar with the best tasting protein bars on the market are running their own March Madness bracket trying to determine who is the best tasting or who. These bars aren't people, but which is the best tasting Built Bar flavor. And they're doing, like I said, a bracket challenge. You're able to vote at BuiltBar.com or on Twitter at Built or at bar underscore built every single day for which flavor you think is the best and today's matchup is going to be the peanut butter bar versus the coconut puff and this is really difficult for me because I actually do enjoy the coconut puff even though I don't like coconut as a flavor typically the coconut puff's great it's got a nice crunchy airiness to the top of the bar right underneath the initial layer of chocolate it's really fantastic even if you're not a big coconut person but there's just no way I'm going to be able to go anything other than the peanut butter bar. I love the peanut butter flavor. I love peanut butter in general. So to me, the peanut butter bar is the big winner here, but it's it's hard because the coconut puff is absolutely delicious. Like I said, make sure you go to BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter to place your vote for which flavor you think should win. And remember, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who's won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Okay, Titans fans, so we started off today's show talking about who got cut from the Titans on Tuesday. Obviously, big news with Adoree Jackson and Dennis Kelly being released, but the Titans also made two signings on Tuesday. It was a two-for-Tuesday, and those are obviously players that are going to be on the Titans going forward, and we're going to dive into those. Now, I teased both of those earlier in the show, even name-dropped the first guy we're going to talk about, and that is Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins. He wants to be called Jackrabbit, guys. I'm just letting you know right now. We need to call him Jackrabbit. That's what he likes. Good stories out there about that you can find. Maybe I'll go into them when we have more time, but let's dive into this signing. So 
When I kind of set up my plan for the Titans offseason, I wanted the Titans to go out and sign a veteran cornerback. Now, when I said that, I thought that would be because the Titans are cutting Malcolm Butler and having a Dory Jackson. But now the fact that both of them are gone, well... That's going to give the Titans an even bigger need at cornerback, which puts an even bigger emphasis on getting a veteran cornerback. And they might need two now. But number one, they did get Janoris Jack Rabbit Jenkins in. And right now, we don't know the terms of the contract. We still don't know the terms of the contract for Bud Dupree either. What that tells me is... That t- as I was kind of mentioning with the release of Adoree and Dennis Kelly, what it tells me is the Titans are still working through cap machinations. They're still trying to massage these deals to leave as much cap space as possible available for this free agency. Because in my mind, even though the Titans went out and got a Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins here as a veteran cornerback, I don't think the Titans are done. I think there's one more big splash move waiting for the Titans. Probably a big-time cornerback or a big-time wide receiver contract. That's what I'm projecting. But let's dive into Janoris Jenkins right now. I got to just call him Jackrabbit. 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 That's what we got to hammer home, guys. We're doing it as a team. But Janoris Jenkins is... 32 years old. So Jack Rabbit's a little bit older. He's been in the NFL for nine seasons. He's about five foot ten, so he's not the biggest cornerback, but Jack Rabbit has made a career playing man coverage. And last year for the Saints, he was still incredibly productive. He had three interceptions, 12 passes defended, and as a man coverage corner, he's still incredibly effective. He was ranked number 14 out of 78 qualified cornerbacks per pro football focus in passer rating. So the passer rating that he's allowed, he was 14th best in the league. He also plays a ton of man coverage. As I said, the Titans played 48% man coverage last year and gave up 28 touchdown passes while doing so. So that's the second most passes allowed in man coverage in the NFL. Janoris Jenkins has been a man corner throughout his career, so he's going to help the Titans do what they want to do schematically, but just do it a lot better. So I like the fit there, and as I said, we don't have the contract details right now of what Jack Rabbit's deal is, but I would imagine it's going to be a one to two year deal, similar to what we saw with Danico Autry. It's going to be about two years of guaranteed money. I would imagine right around the same mark, right around the six to seven to $8 million mark. So that checks off the mid-tier money veteran cornerback that I was hoping for. Now, because the Titans got rid of Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson, I firmly do believe that they will need to get two veteran cornerbacks in free agency. And the other cornerback could be cheaper, but I think that it might be a more expensive guy. There's been trade talk about some options the Titans could have, like Stephon Gilmore is a hot name right now that Titans fans are talking about. I don't know if that is going to materialize, but I think somebody in that realm is someone that the Titans do need to go after here. They need to go after a William Jackson. They need to go try to trade for a Stephon Gilmore. I do think that that would be a smart move for the Titans as they try to remake the defense. But the other signing that we are going to talk about is at the tight end position. And Jeff Swaim, that's right, folks. It's time to play the Swaim. He is back 
in Nashville, baby. And obviously, when you lose Jonu Smith, you want to have as much continuity at the tight end position as you can possibly have. So, uh, Jeff Swain coming back. It's a cheap deal, small deal. It's only going to be $2.5 million on the cap for one year. But last year, Swain caught nine passes, 83 yards, had the one touchdown. Six of his nine catches went for first downs. He played 33% of the team's offensive snaps, 34% of the team's special team snaps. So, an awesome role player. Also, want to mention this while we're talking about tight ends. Paul Kaharski had this to say on Tuesday, quote, reducing anxiety about having functional tight ends. Ferkser will get a restricted free agent tender by tomorrow if he doesn't get a deal. So there are two for the Titans. Be nice to get Pruitt back as well, end quote. So right there, you have Jeff Swain back in the fold. And we know from this report from Paul Kaharski that Anthony Ferkser will be back with the Titans, whether they work out a deal or the Titans tender him as a restricted free agent and match any offer or get to bring him back. Either way, the Titans should have Jeff Swaim and Anthony Ferks are back in the fold, and that makes me feel a lot better about the tight end position. Now, I still do believe the Titans would be smart to get a Kyle Rudolph, a Jared Cook Jr., or maybe draft Brevin Jordan, uh, a Tommy Tremble in the draft. I think that would still make a lot of sense, but... The entire reason I was okay with losing John U. Smith is I believe in the Titans' current construction of their roster, the way their offensive system works. Having a top-tier tight end like that or having a highly paid tight end like that isn't that important. I think the Titans could get away with using a combination of Jeff Swain, Michael Pruitt if he's brought back, and an Anthony Ferkser. And I don't think the offense would be affected that greatly. And then the Titans can use the money that they saved by not extending Jonu Smith elsewhere, like the secondary, like the pass rush, like the defensive line, like we've seen. So to me, it makes sense, but I would be lying to you guys if I felt comfortable with Swain, Pruitt, and Ferkser. I still think they would need another guy who can block and catch, and I know that that's Janu, but I would like to have a guy like that at a little bit cheaper rate, so that's why I keep pounding the drum for a guy like Kyle Rudolph, but that makes me feel a lot better about the tight end situation. Swain is back. Ferkser will be back. The Titans signed Janoris Jenkins. So the roster construction is coming together while also being simultaneously torn apart. So a crazy Tuesday for the Tennessee Titans. But I was happy to recap day two with you guys here on the Locked On Titans podcast. I have an excellent interview coming up with John Ledyard. Ledyard has been one of the more respected NFL writers online for quite some time. A draft guru, in my opinion, along with being someone who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but John Ledyard has a ton of national NFL wisdom, and I wanted to tap into that. So we talked the Bud Dupree signing, and I'm excited to get you guys into that interview next. Before we do that, though, want to tell you guys about Locked On Today. It's a new podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by Locked On Packers host Peter Bukowski. It's basically all of your biggest sports Sports stories nationally in under 20 minutes. It's like having the sports section read to you. Make sure that you check out the Locked On Today podcast, our flagship show on whatever platform you do stream. Also, make sure you guys check out betonline.ag. I know that football's over. 
But March Madness is here, and the best place to place all of your wagers is on betonline.ag. They have real-time updated odds and props for pretty much anything you can imagine. Of course, they have all the sports bets you could ever place, but they also have award shows, TV shows, and reality TV as well. Make sure that you head to their website or use your mobile device. Sign up at betonline.ag for free today and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. John, nice having you on here. Thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, I, I asked you to come on and talk a little bit about Bud Dupree, somebody who you spent some time on a on a local Nashville radio station recently discussing. Obviously, it's the the big name signing for the Tennessee Titans in hopes that it does kind of shake up their defensive pass rush unit, which was historically bad last year. So I guess just want to give you a blank canvas here, John. What are your thoughts on Bud Dupree as a player and and how he would fit in Tennessee? And I felt like even though there were different deals, different types of contracts, felt like the Jadavian Clowney and the Vic Beasley moves were kind of boom bust. You know, Clowney mm-hmm. basically due to injuries for the most part, but also declining play a little bit of late. And then uh, with Beasley, it was, is this guy really dialed in? Like, is, you know, is he, he hasn't been good in a couple years. You know, it just it felt like a real risky move at that point yep. in time. I think the floor with Dupree is just really high. I mean, when he's been healthy on the field for the Steelers, and his injuries haven't been too big of an issue, to be honest, until the ACL uh, this year. But when he's been healthy and out there on the field, especially over the last two, two and a half years, it took him a little while to develop, but he always plays hard. He's very physical. He's a terrific run defender. He's a high-effort pass rusher. There are things that need to develop a little bit, are still developing a little bit, but with Bud Dupree because he was as raw as it gets coming out of college. I mean, I remember watching him in college, and this was back in the point I didn't know anything about scouting or anything, and I was just watching, and I was like, man, he doesn't look like he knows what he's doing at all. But you saw it, a super explosive dude with an unbelievable build and super physical he just didn't know how to do anything clean, technique-wise, set up a pass rush move, anything like that. So it took years. The Steelers you know, probably messed it up and delayed things even more by having Joey Porter as outside linebackers coach. Once they got rid of him, <laughs> right. Dupree really took off. I mean, it was able, his ability to win 1v1 as a pass rusher has improved for sure. There's no question about it. But even if he doesn't become, you know, and, and what they're paying him, you know, you want to see him become a 10-12 sack a guy a year type right. of guy. I was talking to a cap guy last night or guy, a personnel guy at a college last night. And I was asking him, what's it going to take for Dupree to be worth this contract? He said, honestly, probably like in a, from a value perspective, probably like 35 sacks over the next three years. And I said, I don't think he's getting that. I think he's a good player. I think we 25 sacks, 28 sacks, maybe. Right. Um, I think he's a good, if he stays healthy, but 35 sacks. So in the end, from that perspective, he, he may end up being a little bit underwhelming as, as a free agent signing. I don't think mm-hmm. he's a true number one build your pass rush around this guy type of guy. But right. he's somebody that if you're creative and you can scheme things open for your rushers with your defensive personnel and your, the way you line up, the games that you run, he's going to be really effective. They moved him all over. They played him off the ball sometimes in Pittsburgh. Again, he's just a guy you can do a lot of different stuff with. Uh, but there isn't the drop-off with Jadavian Clowney that you get in certain situations. He's a guy that, for the most part, he, he, I mean, he brings it every single game, so you're not getting the downside and the low-level play right. or outcome that you would get from guys like Beasley or Clowney. 
Well, I thought one of the more interesting things, and I really liked what you had to say on on Twitter yesterday uh, after the signing, just kind of talking about what you like about Bud Dupree. One of the things you said that really stood out to me, and I actually retweeted it, was he's the anti-Vic Beasley. So obviously we know uh, about the explosion. He's a physical guy. He's going to really play with a lot of toughness out there. But when you talk about Vic the anti Vic Beasley from a mindset you've hit on it a little bit, but what kind of teammate do you think uh, the Tennessee Titans are getting in in terms of, you know, what he can do in the building, but also his play personality out on the field. Dupree across like traits and things like that. You know, we can discuss grades as a passer, or grades as a, as a run defender when he's blocked, when he's unblocked, you know, on the backside, you know, all of those types of things when he drops into coverage, when they move him around, but when it comes to off the field, work ethic, intensity, physicality, demeanor, also just how great of a teammate he is. I mean, you could ask any person in the, in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room, and I covered the Steelers for several years when Dupree was there, when his career was starting, and this was when he wasn't even – people were wondering if he was a bust early on in his career because it took so long mm-hmm. because, he, again, like I said, he was so raw coming out. Every single person in that locker room loves him. I mean, they love him. I mean, you saw on Twitter as soon as he you know, signed Cam Hayward and all these guys, you know, talking about T.J. Watt – you know, they just love him. Uh, he did a, he did a little show. Um, it called, I think it was called Bud's Buddies or something like that for Steelers.com uh, for years that he would have all the players on his guests and then he'd have everybody over for cookouts and big steak dinners. He'd have all the defense over and everybody would make a steak and they'd bring it and they'd all try each other's and they'd decide winners and losers and, th- and they'd have ranking. So he organized all this. He is a team first camaraderie guy. He is uh, somebody everybody loved, but he brings an edginess. Like, He's not just this nice guy everybody loves. He's, he's edgy. He's physical. On the field, there's a demeanor that comes with Bud Dupree. I remember a couple years ago, I was covering the Steelers, and it was after it was 2017. It was a playoff game against the Miami Dolphins. And the Steelers were up big. The Dolphins were driving, and they were in field goal range right before the second half. And Bud Dupree drops into coverage. He drops into coverage on the right side of the field uh, for the Steelers, the right defensive side of the field. Matt Moore rolls out all the way to the offensive right, so the opposite side of the field, all the way right. across the field. And you might remember this play, actually. Mm-hmm. Bud Dupree, because it's a playoff game, it's a wild card game, so everybody's watching this, so people probably remember. Bud Dupree takes off from the opposite side of the field, and I'm in the press box, and I see him take off. And Bud Dupree's incredibly fast, and he's like 255, mm-hmm. 260 pounds. The way that he moves at that speed is, is really tremendous. Crazy. He's one of the probably more underrated athletes in the league. He gets to Matt Moore. I thought Matt Moore would throw the ball by the time he got there. He just obliterates Matt Moore, one of the hardest hits I've ever seen in my life. And, and Matt Moore's out. He's laying on the ground. He, it, was, it was rough for him. It was ugly. Um, you know, we didn't know what was going to become of him. And, of course, everybody comes together, and there's some words exchanged, I'm sure. And the game goes on, and the whole time, you know, in the press box, you're like, I'm looking to see. Is somebody going to take a shot at Bud Dupree? Like, what are they going to do? It wasn't anything dirty about what he did, just obliterated a quarterback well outside the pocket. Yeah. You know, but, again, wasn't anything dirty about it at the time. And so – I'm kind of watching to see what's going to happen, and nothing happens. And after the game, I'm in the locker room, and I'm talking to Bud. And I said to him, I said, like, did you think after that hit that there was going to be some retribution? And I remember him looking at Vince Williams, both culture guys who are you yes. know, kind of the guys that, that play with some edge. And they just looked at each other, and they started, like, laughing without saying anything. And I was just waiting for the response, and Bud was just like, I'm telling you, man, like, they just weren't built like that. Like, those boys weren't built like that. <laughs> you know, they knew what it was hitting for, is what he said. They know what it's hitting for, and they weren't about to step or do anything. And so, again, like, that edge with Bud Dupree, man, is just something that, like, he's got a swagger to him. He, he knows that he was written off as a bus for years in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He took his time. He kept working. He kept working. And by the time he left, 
he was a fan favorite. Uh, it's, it's a swing you don't see very often, and a large part of it is because he just brought such edge to the field, such demeanor to the field, and it really carried over to the rest of his teammates as well. Well, I think that's going to be – I think that right there, what you just said about his demeanor and the the anti-Vic Beasley mindset out on the field, that's so, so important for the Titans who just lost Malcolm Butler, who lost Kenny Vaccaro, and they were guys who really brought that edge to the defense. And I'm a firm believer in – on defense at any level, you have to have people who are tone setters who bring that edge. Football is a is a physically demanding game. So that that tidbit right there gets me really excited about what Bud Dupree could bring to Tennessee. John, I really appreciate all your insight, getting somebody on a national level to kind of break down the moves and what they like about Bud Dupree. But you are somewhat of a draft guru. So I have to at least ask one draft question before I get you out of here. And my question to you you is this John will Rashad Bateman be available for the Titans at pick number 22 be surprised if he's off the board a lot of reasons I mean the wide receiver class being one of them um you know but also there's a lot of receivers available in free agency and if you have a need you usually fill it before the draft so that pushes some positions down the board again you know you have probably three or four guys that'll probably go ahead of him so I think he's on the board um you know is he the best guy that's on the board at that point in time probably in the lives of most people I really like Rashad Bateman um, yeah. I do think the other top guys are better than he is, yeah. um, but I, I like him still. I mean, I think, again, the same conversation with Bud is a high floor, right? And, and you know, I just don't think – I'd be surprised if he busts. Um, you know, he, he's just a good route runner. He knows how to get off the line of scrimmage. He catches the ball pretty well away from his frame. I think a lot of things that are pretty safe traits. Now, does he have game-breaking type of traits and ability that could be a number one that you'd want to run your offense basically through him? Maybe not, but they don't need that in Tennessee. You have A.J. Brown, who is. That type of receiver, undoubtedly, at this point in time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that could be one of the best landing spots for Bateman in terms of having NFL success that, that doesn't disappoint people. I think that could be a great landing spot for him. Awesome. That's exactly the answer that I wanted to hear, John. Not going to lie, if you said something negative about Bateman, I was just going to cut this off the interview. But uh, I definitely do appreciate you uh, joining us. You can find John's work and all of his analysis on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. John, where else can people find your work? Looking for stuff from all 32 teams and stuff. I'm always talking about everybody and uh, on there. And then obviously at pewterreport.com, you can find I have a lot of stuff about the Bucks, but actually if you're into the draft, I'm writing a lot of uh, draft stuff as well. Right. So I'll have positional rankings and I'll have big boards and all that kind of stuff. And I do a mock draft actually uh, next Monday. I'll have a mock draft out on pewterreport.com so people can check that out as well. And then the Pewter Report podcast, you know, it's a, it is a Bucks podcast four days a week, but we do take, especially over the next month or so, we'll be taking at least one episode, maybe two episodes a week to talk just draft stuff, neutral draft stuff. So it'll just be an NFL draft type of show. We'll have national experts on as we do all the time to talk about the NFL draft, probably Jane Brugler and Fran Duffy and, and, uh, and Daniel Jeremiah perhaps even. And so we'll have a lot of insight on that podcast, even if you're not a Bucks fan. So you can check that out as well. That's the Peter Report podcast. And I would absolutely implore any of my listeners to do so. I had John on because I I really do respect his intelligence on football. Obviously, he is a draft guru, as I mentioned, so you definitely don't want to miss any of his analysis there. John, it has been an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully, maybe our Tennessee Titans and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers can meet in the Super Bowl next year, and maybe we can talk again. A lot of fun for sure. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with John Ledyard. Like I said in the interview, make sure you check out all of his draft content. And I hope you guys enjoyed having some rosy and very optimistic Bud Dupree talk. I know that I was a little lukewarm. I was a little hesitant on yesterday's show. And quite honestly, that's just how I really feel. I'm a little hesitant about the move, but wanted to bring John on, who seems very positive about the move, very excited about the fit for Bud Dupree in Tennessee. I hope you guys did enjoy that but that's going to do it for me today folks as always i am your host tyler roland and this was locked on tight